0: Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Mike Luke. Reminder brought to you by DraftKings. As always, you got a great deal going on. Put down $1. You get $150 free play out of that. You can do that with anything you want with football and a lot of good games going on. You got a Monday night game. You got Thursday coming up. So there's never been a better time to sign up for DraftKings. Again, sign up for DraftKings. $1 down, $150 free play. Now, let's bring in, we've got a very special guest today. We've got uh, Batavia's finest, Hoop Dreams actor, uh, Final Four participant, Corey Williams. How you doing, Corey? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Doing real good. Of, of course. Appreciate it. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of this new era of Arizona basketball now that we've got with Tommy Lloyd coming in right here. So, when I, when I watched this team in the Red-Blue game yesterday, and I know that Everybody can fall to overreactions. Everyone talks about Bo Mulebach and, you know, the 30-plus. But, Corey, when I watched what I saw, it looked to me like a team that had back 25 potential. Am I, am I way over... Um, am I way over there? And again, I thought Saul was going to be hopping in right now. So on in my man, I, I was, I didn't know what was going on, man. I was just waiting for the introduction. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I you were going to be on the craziest, screen. And as always, we got the GM, Saul Bookman in the house. All of us all know him from his time in Tucson. He's up in feet. Got a great triumvirate for everybody here. There but, we go. I love the floating helmet, by the way, Corey, in the background. That's, that's pretty
2: sick.
1: Oh yeah. You know, I can't I rep my guys, even though it's gonna be a rough one this year. Yeah. Football, football is my first love. I watch I watch NFL football, college football. Uh, I watch college basketball because they pay me to, but other than that, <laughs> I'm a football guy at heart. So
0: <laughs> Corey, am I overreacting? Is this a team that has maybe back end top twenty-five potential if everything plays out right?
1: I think um Arizona basketball is always going to be in the discussion. Uh, You know, Arizona's basketball, it's always a question of will this team hit its potential? Um, Talent has never really been an issue. Getting talent on campus usually hasn't been the issue, but how that talent performs. So many things shake out. Um, College basketball is more fragile than ever when you talk about the transfer portal, when you talk about kids not buying in, when you talk about the Blue blood struggling and missing the tournament some years. So, yeah, I think anything's possible if the team comes together in the right way. Uh, The Pac-12 every year usually has to reload with seniors. But the last four or five years, the Pac-12s had to reload with freshmen and sophomores because the guys are going to the league. So I think anything's on the table for this team. I'm uh, very interested to see how they come together.
2: What do you Corey, think? Corey, you know, when we talk about, you know, the past, uh, you know, with loot and then the transition to Miller, and then now we're going into a, a completely new era with Tommy Lloyd. What have what has been your first major takeaway from Tommy Lloyd versus maybe the, the previous era? Because as we know, like, for instance, like for us in the media, right, at at least from my perspective, being down there at U of A for for quite a while, you know, the Sean Miller era didn't lend itself to a lot of openness when it came to the players until you got to the Pac-12 or the NCAA tournament where it was mandatory open locker rooms, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. From your perspective, what, what are some of the obvious things that you're seeing from your side?
1: Well, what's obvious to me is that Tommy is bringing some excitement um, to this job. He's taking a job that, you know, you talk about tremendous shadow of Lute Olson, huge shoes to fill. Sean Miller posted a crazy amount of wins in his tenure here at Arizona. But the thing about Tommy is Tommy himself, this is his first stepping out as a head coach. There's a level of excitement he has for himself personally, his first time captaining a ship And that's what this job needs. It needs that level of excitement. Somebody with a little swag, with a chip on their shoulder. Um, Because if you take this job trying to keep up with the ghost of Lute Olson, it'll eat you alive. But if you take this job looking to build and and build a career for yourself and the guys that you recruit, um, that's the key thing. And I think Tommy's hit the right tone early. He's not letting the big block A overwhelm him. He's not letting the... 50, 60-year tradition. I mean, you got fans sitting in the stands that span 50 years of Arizona basketball. They've seen it all. That's not your normal uh cross-section of fan. So your your critics are coming – are much different than at most schools. So they can be a little intimidating, but he's so relaxed. He's so open. He's friendly. And I think that's going to make a big difference for how the team plays as well.
0: I, I thought it was interesting when he was talking in the press here, Corey, and he said – I'm going to run because I think that's the best way to win basketball games, not because it sounds like the best way, because it is the best way. And I think a lot of times you hear coaches that say, we're going to run, but then, you know what, when the going gets tough, you really don't. When I watched Lloyd, when I watched that red-blue game, it looked like it was going to be a much more free-flowing style of basketball. I think, you know, these kids
1: more than ever, if they feel good, they play good. And that open style of play um, where there's not as many rules, where a guy's in his comfort zone and his field coach says, hey, you've got weapons. I want you to use them. You've got athleticism. I want you to use it. That always sounds great. And I've seen a lot of basketball. Saul, you've seen a lot of basketball. When coaches say that they're going to run, The immediate question I ask myself is, are you disciplined enough to run? Because just going fast isn't running. Shot selection, turnover, sloppy play. Saying you're going to run, in my estimation, means I have guys who can make great split-second, high-level decisions. Where to go, when to run, when to back it out. Usually those are upperclassmen or teams that have a lot more experience. So I'm going to be very interested to see what this fast paced group of young players looks like. You know, I I I when you you go Go back
2: to your, you know, you were just talking about, you know, being smart enough to run, right. It's not just getting out and going right there. There's everybody's got their lane. Everybody's got their assignments. Usually the four is the first one through. Then you got your trail. Like those are the basic concepts of this. When you think back to like, Paul Westhead and and Loyola Marymount, like they had a bunch of dudes that would never get drafted in the NBA outside of you know two guys and rest in peace Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. But everybody knew their assignment. They knew exactly what they're supposed to do on every given play. Like there was no misconception about I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. It's like no, this is my role. This is my only role. This is what I have to do. With your with the loot days, it was a little bit different because you guys like to get out and run when the when when the opportunity presented itself. But you guys also, in, in a half-court set, could execute at a very high level as well. Do you think that Tommy right now has, has the dogs, you know, for lack of a better word, to be able to execute something at a high level like that, considering what he's got coming back from last year?
1: My gut's telling me probably not. And you, you hit on a great point, Saul. There's two types of running. There's made basket, made free throw, inbound, get it up the court, and I'm okay with the quick shot. Then there's the live ball turnover. And in Arizona, in my heyday, we created that half-court turnover. Coach didn't care what we did with the ball after we shot the passing lane and stole it, or we okay. picked your pocket, or Ray blocked your shot and Damon grabbed it. When you create live ball turnovers, we knew we have the freedom to shoot any shot in the book because we just took the ball from the offense. And it was so like that's a different it's it your like reward.
2: Yeah,
1: Arkansas, Nolan Richardson, Patino at Kentucky. We will press you to death and shoot crazy shots because those are free possessions. And if you let us connect on those, we've got a 10, 15 point lead before you even know what's going on. So there's that type of open court running that's fueled by the defense. Now, if they're going to get after people, turn people over and then run, that's one thing. And the second thing people don't forget, people don't really realize about running is When I would come into a camp and they'd say, "Okay, we're going to be our team that runs. I'm like, oh, my God, that means I have to be in twice the shape of my opponents. You have to practice that way. You have to run wind sprints. You have to run so much in practice that when you step on the court, you're counting on with 10 minutes to go. They're tired and we're not. That's the level of conditioning you have to bring your team to. Now, what does that mean? can you bring the big fellas out there if that's how much you're, if that's the intensity you're going to play with, how big can your lineup be if you're going to run? So, uh, you know, a lot of people throw that phrase around, but there's a lot that goes into being an up tempo team.
0: All right, Corey, uh, Saul and I were talking about this Saturday. I figured I'd share a story. I don't know if you remember, but this is back when practices used to be open. You could literally go to McHale on a Saturday and watch coach work with all you guys. So, this is the final four team and I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning was, but Damon was on one team and he had Khalid going against him on the other side. And yes, yes. So let's go. And and Khalid, obviously Khalid obviously was arguably the best shooting guard in school history. And so it gets the ball to half. court. He looked, I believe it was Jesse Evans. He looks over and Lute, who was in the middle stops the practice. And is kind of looking around and then Luke makes his way. He looks at Khalid, and keep in mind, he's in the middle of averaging twenty four, I think twenty four points a game. And he says, "If you're having to look over to the coach right now for a play, I haven't done my job." And that play always, that just always stuck with me. I was like a ten year time. Is that kind of the freedom though the coach gave you to play with?
1: It was the freedom that he gave you to play with. But when we and I use the word serve almost like in the military, when we enlisted at right. Arizona, you absorbed routine, the way we practice, the drills we did, the repetition, and coach expected you to absorb his instincts as well. So what he meant by that is after 48 months of being around me, you should have almost a Luke Skywalker Force Jedi feel of what you should be doing at this point. If you don't, then I haven't done my job. It's a three on two. Damon's in the corner. It's a it's a three on three, but my big man's trailing. I'm going to back it out. Like those subconscious thoughts of mine should have seeped into your brain by now. So I don't need to call timeouts down the stretch because my guys know what basketball looks like and what we're supposed to do. And that was Coach O's gift. Hang around me for four years and you will think like I think and you're young and you've got a great body. And then if you can translate, if I can put my brain in Khalid Reeves body it's game over. If I put my brain in Saleem's body or I put my brain in Richard Jefferson's body and that was his gift to all of us was watch how I think and then use your body to make yourself a great player. So that basketball knowledge, that's why Steve Kerr is a phenomenal coach. Luke Walton's a great coach. Guys are commentating all over the place because for 48 straight months, we got to hang around him and think the way he – and he taught us how to think basketball the way he sees it.
2: You know, I, I know I know everybody holds Coach O in high regard, as do I. But, Corey, you get recruited by Luke Olsen, you get to Tucson, and then you go to practice or you go to you know training or whatever – when was the first moment that you had with Coach O where you realized we're not in Kansas anymore? This is a whole new level of ball.
1: I think it was the first, the first uh, the first couple of days of practice where a guy who's paid so much attention to you for two years never spoke a word to you in a two-hour practice. And you realize that I'm just a grunt. I'm infantry. I'm like entry-level. First, you know, I, this is the first day of boot camp and the master chief doesn't even know who I am. And this guy recruited me like he told me I was good. He wanted me here. And now I've been out here sweating and running and jumping and he hasn't spoken to me one time. And then when he goes, you know, we start to prepare for games. He's focusing on these eight other guys and you get to see the pecking order. And what it is is. You have to go through and earn that respect, earn that conversation, earn that trust, earn those promotions. It was a very standoffish, cold atmosphere, but it w- really was the first introduction to what Arizona basketball was all about, which was results. I'm looking for the seven, seven or eight guys that are going to get us the results. The fans are coming on Saturday; they want to see a 20 point win against Oregon. Who's going to Who's going to help me do that? And if you're not in that bubble, then you know you don't have a whole lot to say to you right then.
0: Corey, you were kind of on the front lines of the loot transition from you know the Tucson skyline where you really have the kind of the big guys, you've got your Sean Rooks, you got your Brian Williams, and then you kind of transition to The Chris Mills, you know, Santa Clara, obviously a bad, bad memory for a lot of people. But then by the time you get to 94 and you're playing against Arkansas in the final four, it's almost come full circle because you got Damon running the point. You got Khalid at the two. You got Reggie at the three. What was it? Was there a concerted effort by coach to drill into how he was trying to change things or did it just kind of happen organically? (sighs)
1: Well, I'll be the first to say this and, you know, the rest is his soul, coach isn't here to counter the argument, but coach was, coach was not, he didn't go into that with all the emphasis and, and enthusiasm. Right. A lot of people think he had to have his arm twisted into that style of play. It was so difficult for him to transition. I remember coming on my recruiting visit and seeing Sean Rooks and then my senior freshman year, we had Ed Stokes and we always had these big seven foot monsters and then Everybody left, and we had a young front line with Joseph Blair and a very skinny Ray O's, and this was the first time we didn't have monsters in the paint. And what happened was we took a team trip to Australia, and in 10 games of exhibition play, he had no choice but to just go with his two best players, which were Damon and Khalid, and they went on a tear. And I think the Australia trip, which was the spring of 93, was when he looked at his staff as like, can we win like this? Is this going to work with Reggie Gary at the three and all my scoring coming from the backcourt? he was very reluctant to believe in it. But when we went to Maui and we almost beat Kentucky in 94, we lost at the buzzer and Kentucky was well-ranked at the time. That's when everybody knew we were as good as any team in the country being led by two guards. I think um, that was – one of the key transitions in his coaching career where he realized, yes, I am Lute Olsen. Yes, I have a system, but in certain circumstances, my best guy is my best option. And that's when he slowly started to transform that. And the whole point guard you situation kind of started from that year. So all these other dudes that made millions and coming through Arizona as being point guards and getting the ball in their hand, they have that 94 team to thank because that was not Arizona basketball before 1994.
0: I've always thought that Damon was the one that made the U of A sexy. And here's what I mean by that. And that Steve Kerr, great point guard, Sean Elliott, best player in school history. But I think Damon Stoudemire, Corey, and Salt was the first guy that kids on the playground grew up wanting to be like he was almost kind of a west coast Allen Iverson I mean when you've got your jersey and clockers when you've got uh, all that going on and you're pulling up from the cactus I thought he was always the one that kind of put Arizona basketball really on the map from maybe a a recruiting kid perspective there
1: he definitely was the way he played with the crossover and the intensity and the pull-up jumper he was probably one of the greatest and Arizona players, and his career almost never happened. He got in a little bit of trouble in high school, and a lot of people backed off of him because of a, of a fight at the cafeteria or something like that. But Coach O stuck with him. And the great thing about Damon's situation was despite being a tough kid from Northeast Portland, when he got to Arizona, he absorbed and had a great relationship with Coach. He learned the way Coach wanted to play, and he says, okay, Coach wants me to break down the defense. So I'm going to break down the defense and shoot the floater. I'm going to break down the defense and give a shovel pass for a dunk. I'm going to break down the defense and kick it out for the three. And everybody's like, man, this kid gets to do whatever he wants. But the catch was he was doing what coach wanted, but he was doing it with a flare that a point guard had never really done it before. So coach gave him the keys to the car as a sophomore. Like, Damon, as long as you do what we need you to do, I don't care how you do it. And you're right. A lot of kids watching fell in love with how Damon played. But if you really look at the tape, it was all sound basketball. So that was the thing about Damon. He came in and absorbed and played the way coach wanted. But he definitely did it with a lot more energy and flair than, than people had normally seen.
2: I really like that that transition. You just you or that point you just made a little bit about about that That kind of era and your guys' era kind of leading to all the other things that came down the line uh, from, you know, shortly thereafter, Miles Simon, Bibby, Dickerson. And then a guy like I can't even I can't even fathom a guy like Salim Stoudemire fitting 10 years before him in 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 the in the tall tree era of, of Arizona basketball like that would not have fit because Coach O no. needed to go through his own development process to understand and trust players the way he ultimately did. Is that about right?
1: That's a, that's 100% correct. Coach O had a book in his office called The Mathematics of Basketball. And I don't know who wrote that book, but it was in his office, and I remember seeing it countless times. And in that book, it was some pretty, pretty basic stuff. If you hold your opponent to X and you shoot this and you shoot from this range, you're going to win mathematically. You're going to win. I remember countless times where I would shoot the balls in the air and he's yelling, Corey, and then splash ball goes through the net. He still finishes his sentence. Get the ball inside. Joseph was wide open. He did not care that I made the three because the mathematics of the situation are Joseph is 65 percent on the block with a defender behind him, even on your best night. You're 40 percent from three. Get it inside. He let math and probability dictate his coaching approach. And in 94, he kind of had to be like, okay, I got to live by jumpers and layups instead of my high put my big men scoring at a high percentage inside. We still needed to defend and we still needed to rebound. But he had to rely on the outside shot of Khalid and Damon and Joe McClain and now Corey shooting threes. And then here comes Mike Dickerson and Bibby and Terry all shooting threes. And he's like, this is not the foundation I built my coaching approach on, but I'm getting W's. So let's roll with it.
2: That's kind of funny because he kind of he kind of happened his way into what analytics is today. It's it's Absolutely. all led by mm-hmm. the three-point yeah. shot. You know, analytics will right. tell you the three-point shot's better than any two-point shot you could take. And and it's kind of funny that he had these dudes that were kind of trying to show him that before this all became a thing. You know, that, that's just yeah. remarkable.
1: Yeah, he stumbled upon the importance of guard play. And I don't care who your front line is, if your guards are trash, you're probably gonna lose. They yeah. need someone to get them the ball, they need someone to set them up, they need someone to to find out where the mismatch is and, and all those things. And the thing about guards being trash and affecting your front line, if you're constantly getting beat out front, your big men may pick up two or three fouls that don't even belong to them because your guards are trash. So now your big man's on the bench with foul trouble because you don't have defenders out front. So he was one of the first coaches to really accept and embrace the importance of guards. He recruited all Americans, and then he made you into a defensive player. And that was the formula for Arizona basketball for a long time.
0: Corey, I've always thought that the 95-96 was maybe his best coaching job because, you know, especially when I was a kid, I lived and died with Arizona basketball rankings. And, you know, you're coming off a Final Four before that the previous year, even though Santa Clara hit. I think you guys finished the regular season seven or eight. And then you guys enter 95-96. Damon's gone. Ray O's is gone. And you're not ranked. And within, obviously, you were ranked very quickly after that. But what did you use any of that as kind of a a, a motivational ploy? And did he talk to you? Because to this day, I still think that's one of his best coaching jobs, if not his best.
1: The feeling my senior year was one of disbelief. Like, we're this Arizona. we, We were on the team that went 19, won 19 straight games. And yeah, we got beat by Santa Clara. I was on the team that went 24 and three and went to the final four. My junior year, we were on a team that won Pac-12 titles. we I've always been a part of this program. And now all of a sudden, we're all still here. Joe McClain, Reggie Gary, Joseph Blair, Ben Dave, we're all still here. Do you act like we're chopped liver? So when the rankings came out, we were like, wow. And of course, Coach Olsen, he enjoyed that situation. And I'll tell you why. I don't have to motivate you guys. You see what Sports Illustrated said. You see what Basketball Times said. You see what Street and Smith said. When is practice? Y'all ready to go? And he relished that. That that was the first time where he didn't have to deflate our egos to get us ready for the season. Nobody was celebrating us. So him coming into practice every week was like, I don't have to say anything, Corey. They think they don't have to guard you. I don't have to say anything. So that was the motivation on that team. We
2: got we got we got a question real quick from from the chat. Uh, Boog Boog wants to know, other than Arizona, what is your favorite arena to call a game in, or even play in? I will I will add that little caveat.
1: Favorite arena to call a game in, man, it don't get no crazier than Gonzaga. That that's just insane. The student section, the whole pregame dances, the chants. Um, We actually have to turn up our headphones to hear the producers and directors in our headphones. Um, That that atmosphere is it's it's old school college basketball. It's crazy. And I mean, they don't have another they don't have a football program up there. So it's like all hands on deck for the basketball. And it doesn't even matter who they're playing. They can be playing USD and regular WCC game. And it's just insane up there. But that's a great atmosphere. I love doing games in the pit just because the way it felt it feels down there in the pit. Um, you know, and you would think some of the bigger venues, they're so big that they lose a little bit of the atmosphere, Polly Pavilion, the Galen Center, hell, even new bright and shiny McHale Center. It's nice and it's big and it's opulent, but it's not that gritty. You can hear the students right on top of you type feel that we played in front of in the 90s. So I love calling games where the student section is going crazy and they're right behind us. Great job. Those are great places to do games.
0: Corey, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been awesome. We'd love to have you on again. No worries. Here, buddy. Absolutely, man.
1: Anytime. Let me know.
0: Okay. Appreciate it. Corey, thanks hey, again, Corey. buddy. Sure. All right. Okay. Saul, so, um, we're going to get yeah. into some Arizona hoops here in just a 2nd baby. Yeah, let's do it. But uh, first of all, I want to talk to you a little bit about DraftKings. And again, if you're not on DraftKings, you should be on DraftKings because it's incredibly easy to navigate and you put down one buck You got $150 free play out of that. So give you an example. Let's say that you're listening right now and, you know, let's just say that you're an Arizona state fan and you're thinking, all right, I think Arizona state's going to smoke UCLA. You know what you put down that you put down a $1 there. You get $150 free play to do with that, what you want. And then you can turn that into your own money and I think that's what's kind of cool about the whole DraftKings thing. Our a dollar on team. any,
2: on, a dollar on any football bet.
0: Yep, and, and they give you one hundred and fifty
2: dollars after that, and it's free bets. Like one hundred and fifty dollars of free bets. Like as soon as you get one right, you get that cash. Like, right. and it's so easy to like. It's so easy to deposit money. It's so easy to get money back. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know what the odds are right now for Arizona in terms of uh, possible like Pac twelve championship odds or, or national championship odds or NCAA tournament odds. We'll, we'll check that out and we will get that for you for the next show. But DraftKings so user intuitive. It's so easy to use. It's dude. It's just a no brainer. Get that money.
0: Remember 21 and up. Uh, if you got a gambling issue, you go to one 800 next step, you know, new customers only. That's the thing, you know, again, it seems sometimes a little too good to be true, but that's good money for you. Minimum $5 deposit. wager required and eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for all the details. And one other thing too, that we got going here and last week we had on, excuse me, last week we had on some pretty cool guests and this week we had Corey Williams on and Ben Matherin guys like that. That's what we're trying to do here at, uh, go phnx and on the az wildcats podcast and it's not just me you got stuff over at asu doing the exact same thing you know great interviews live content live post game streams Mike, Mike we,
2: we don't we don't talk about asu on this show what are we doing right now man? i know i know on, trust, trust me it, you can talk me. about the cardinals you can talk about the Suns, you could right. coyotes d-backs but we don't want to bring up those the, the the bad guys up north well, now, let's well, just eliminate that from up. our vocabulary
0: entirely because right. that's the second time you brought up ASU on a U of A show,
2: and I don't want to hear it.
0: Well, when they get smoked when we play them in basketball this year, we can talk about them then. But good point, though. But like you said, Cardinals, right now you're looking at a team that might be this team in the NFC, and I mean, heck, they could be the best team in the NFL right now. So it's never been a better time to hop on uh, to go PHNX because we got the entire state covered for you, so for sure. All right, so uh, I think Corey thought that I was maybe overreacting a little bit with my red-blue observations. So, yes, probably was, but I'm going to make the case for you right here off what I saw. I saw a point guard in Kerr who I think is going to be tailor-made for what Tommy Lloyd wants to do. He can shoot the ball, he can get up and down, and he can get (laughs) – Scott's my guy – and he can (laughs) – (laughs) and and he can get and he can get where he needs to get and Tommy Lloyd talked about that and saw you played basketball the most important thing for a point guard is to be able to get and set up the ball where it needs to be set up and I think Kurt can do that
2: oh yeah absolutely he's shown the ability the propensity to be able to do that I I think the European game lends itself uh, to to a better flow and and really really a, a better idea of what Tommy Lloyd is going to expect from his team. That's something that Tommy Lloyd's gonna pull from his Gonzaga days. They had a free flowing offense, a lot of movement. Um, I liked <clears throat> it was crazy. It was like I had PTSD for a little bit when when they came down the few times and they actually stopped and they ran some sets, And they got into the three-man weave at the top of the key, and I was like, oh, here goes this shit again. Right, exactly. (laughs) Let's kill 30 seconds speedlessly. But there were certain uh, nuances that were different, um, and then you see a skip pass to a wide-open three, and I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. We're in a whole new different offense. (laughs) It was beautiful to watch, and I think uh, Kerr's definitely going to have that that ability to create for other guys and, and control this the way Lloyd would like.
0: And you look at some of the other guys, I think Azulis Tabellis, and we're going to have an article coming up here uh, a little bit later today, kind of a featured piece on him. And I think he's going to be a monster this year. And here's why I think he's going to be a monster. Tommy Lloyd talked repeatedly in the Red Blue Post about how his challenge to Azulis is to be the guy that doesn't need gimmicks, that goes out there and in just hand-to-hand combat is just better than the guy across from you. Coaches don't say something like that unless they fully mean it, because otherwise, you're setting somebody up for failure. He knows what the big man from Lithuania is capable of. You know, he, you know, people like to reference
2: him uh, to Sabonis uh, because they're both lefties and, you know, they're European. It's like such a lazy take, for but, sure. but you can see similarities in their game the way they both play. And the thing with Tabulus is, He's stronger, I think, than Sabonis was in college, mm-hmm. and Sabonis was a beast, like for sure. Don't get that misconstrued. So I think there's very much a lot of a, a lot of context um, or a lot of, a lot of substance to what Tommy Lloyd is saying about him. I I do think that at the end of the season, if the if 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 the Arizona Wildcats are going to compete in the Pac-12 for a Pac-12 title, I don't think they're going to be middle of the road. I actually do think that they're going to be top four in the league. Um, And then you're talking about an NCAA tournament appearance um, and getting back to Arizona basketball, Arizona level basketball. I think you'll see that he will be the leading scorer on the team if everything goes right. I think he will be the dominant force on this team by which everybody else kind of plays off of. Um, So I'm looking forward to his production this year and, and how much he's grown from year one to year two, because from year one to year two is where a majority of your players make the biggest leap in college basketball.
0: And Saul hit the nail on the head right there. If you think that Arizona is going to be sneaky good, and we will have these odds for you tomorrow, DraftKings is going to be the spot that you might want to put something down on that. Because, again, if this is going to be a team that I think is going to be better than people think. I think they're going to be sneaky good is a term that the voice of the Wildcats, Brian Jeffery, used. And if you think they're going to be sneaky good, then hop on to hop on to DraftKings. Again, right now you got football going on. You put down $1.00. You get a free $150 play on any football game. And the cool thing about DraftKings is how many times have you been looking at Lions and you're like, man, I'd love to get a live in-game parlay or something like that. And you know what? It's just not available to you. DraftKings has basically broken the mold on that one, Saul. For sure. For sure. No, I, I agree.
2: I think uh, the the other thing is is they have in-game parlays too, that you can use and you Mm -hmm. can, you can, you know, uh, you know, kind of make different bets to get bigger odds. And right now they'll give you $25 back on any in-game parlay, which is also a pretty fun thing to do. I took advantage of that yesterday and lost my ass with the bills, but Mm -hmm. hey, it's whatever. I got that $25 back. So no harm, no foul. I, I'll, I'll take it and, and live with it. So,
0: and, and uh, part of it's, it's the remote. enjoyment of being able to watch it, knowing you got a little bit of cheese on the line, right? there. Exactly, exactly,
2: so, exactly. Right.
0: Uh, we actually have a question from the chat. Yeah, what's up?
2: Uh, what do we think about Aiken's performance on Saturday? Was the Red Blue yeah. game a preview of what is to come from him?
0: Well, I was going to use that for the stat of the game right here. Oh, that, dude, let's let's yeah, do let's, it. Let's do let's it. Let's let's stat do of the it. game. So here, here's Boom. my stat. Here's my stat of the game, Mister Kim Aiken, four for four from three point range. And if that it didn't get any better than that, Saul, you had a mean putback dunk to end the first half. I came into the season not knowing what to really expect from him. I was worried that maybe, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing because everybody needs somebody like this. I was wondering, are we seeing a little bit of an Ira Lee who's going to be just kind of a grinder but is limited? If the red blue game is any indication, this is a guy with a sweet shot. And you know what? He's adept at being able to score the ball in a way that I didn't necessarily think he was capable of there, Saul.
2: No, I, I agree. Uh, I I like his stroke from the perimeter. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't it looked, look
0: fluky at all.
2: No, no, it didn't. And then there wasn't a lot of hitch in the shot. You know, I I always look for shooters. Um, I, I like to see repetition and I like to see if they have any hitches or anything like that. And very few shooters can get away with, uh, you know, kind of a, a crazy hitch or some type of Defect uh right. in terms of the traditional sense. Like Reggie Miller was very fluky in terms of his release and his the way he would shoot, you know, it's like kind of cross-body, but he was effective because he'd probably done it for so long that it didn't matter. It, like he broke the rules. So when I watch a guy like him, like Aiken, shoot, and he's got a nice form, it comes off of his fingers very well. I like it. I like it, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a fluke, I think it's something that you can probably rely on as you go through the season maybe he's not going to shoot 40 from three but right. he could be consistent enough to be a threat out there and make teams pay which is what you want also and i'm feel- kind of wondering about whether or not the the wildcats are
0: going to have enough balls for everybody and mm-hmm. and i say right. that because speaking of balls why don't we talk a little <laughs> bit about manscape right here and manscape is they specialize in something that a lot of people, everybody utilizes, but nobody really talks a lot about. And that's trimming downstairs. That's keeping yourself clean. That's keeping yourself smooth down there. And you know what? Manscapes on top of that right there. They're a, uh, it's a group. With- we talk about it because there's a reason for it. Like and- people
2: don't like a lot of hair or a lot of, like, think about the Arizona, you know, landscape. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people like zero scaping because they don't uh-huh. want to have to trim that shit.
0: Right. Correct.
1: Do.
0: Right. Yes. And this, and they make it easy. They mail it to you. You've got all kinds of different blades. You've got different kinds of trimmers that make it easy. And you know what? The great thing about it is this is designed for that exact purpose. It's not like getting the scissors out of the drawer in your bedroom and like, oh gosh, hopefully this works out. Okay. Manscapes has got this one down and there's a reason that so many people are utilizing it right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we have a promotion, don't we? Yeah, we do. we got a great promotion going on right now. So you get 20% off and free shipping, but you got to use the code word PHNX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Again, free shipping at manscaped.com, but you got to throw the word PHNX. And if you throw in that, You'll slay your worst pubes and keep your dagger v- clean with manscape. Again, it's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but we all got to utilize there so in
2: in, in Halloween terms, you go from a snack size snickers to a king size and that's all that's what this it, is all about. this it, is this is a shameless promotion, but it's true. Uh, i I actually use it and mm-hmm. um, and, and it's and it's been I, I've loved it. and plus the new one, the uh, the lawnmower 4.0, has a light mm-hmm. on it. Right. Uh, because sometimes, you know, it gets a little dark and you got to look and, you know, right. it's it's just ease
0: of well, use. We're acknowledging the obvious right here. And don't be uh, don't be left out. Catch on to what so many people are using right now. For so, sure. All right. So let's just kind of let's kind of wrap this one up. Um, I think that this again, great having Corey on watching Arizona basketball in this red blue game was refreshing to me, I think, for twofold. First of all, it was great to be back into McHale. And second of all, it looked like a group of guys that were just having fun out there. Yeah, and I thought, cool. to, and I thought Tommy Lloyd's quote in the press conference about how one of his big goals is his guys to, uh, to play with joy. I thought that's all I needed to hear right there. Saul. absolutely. You know, I,
2: again, and I'm not, you know, listen, I, I was around for the Sean Miller era. I was at the U of a for, for three, four years going through the Sean Miller era. There was some good and there was some bad. Like there just was. And the one thing that I will always take away was it just felt like there, there started to become this superficialness of, of Arizona basketball. Right. And the love for the team kind of started to go away. Like that, me personally, like I started to lose my my zest and my and my you know my feeling for this program because it just felt like it was just so run of the mill all of a sudden. And and when you have a coach. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to badmouth Miller like you know, too much, but what I will say is, it's like I do feel like he kind of sucked the life out of the program for a while there because he was so determined to do it his way and didn't want to adjust. And we even talked about Lute Olson adjusting because almost out of necessity, because he had to, because he had guys that were so talented in the backcourt that he couldn't just be like, no, we're going to do it my way all the time. He had to adjust, and I think that's. That's what I, I missed out on with the Miller era. Um, so when Tommy Lloyd comes in, with every new coach, there's a, a new infusion of enthusiasm. We've seen it in football. We're going to see it in, right now in basketball. I just hope that that continues, and I hope it, it gets us back to where we all want to be, which is contending for Pac-12 championships and contending for national
0: championships because that's what this program was built on. We're going to have a heavy focus on hoops going forward, but we're also going to have a head U of A baseball coach, Chip Hale coming on later in the week. And uh, we got obviously Arizona against UCLA. So we'll get you ready for that. But again, this is your place to be for everything. Arizona Wildcats, AZ Wildcats podcast. And again, go PHNX, check it out for a Saul Bookman. I've been Mike Luke, or I've been Mike Luke. I'm Mike Luke. <laughs> everybody, everybody out there have a great day. We'll be back with you soon. Hey, don't
2: forget Remember reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit those notifications. Cause every morning Mike is rolling here at like 1030 to do all this great content. Plus he's going to be writing several articles, yep. subscribe to his Twitter, to the, to our Twitter at pH. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. PHNX underscore Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made this AZ Wildcats podcast because we know people don't like to fuck with Phoenix. That's cool. But the Twitter right. handle had to have the PHNX brand in it. So it is what it is. And, but we appreciate everybody. Mike, nice job today, buddy. Great, Saul. Saul's going to be on a lot more. This is a lot of fun, buddy. All right, see ya.